This podcast was produced by Big Night Media, a proud partner of Big Night Entertainment. Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. Pierce. Buries it. Tatum drives down and throws it down. This is my What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? How are we doing, how are we doing? And welcome to episode 127, episode 127 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I'm your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? Hope you had a super duper weekend. You can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. And as you know, I'm part of the Big Night Media team with some fantastic podcasts like Boston Uncommon with Joe Maz, 30 Flirty and Surviving, The Marky P Show, Those Girls You Know, Eat the Damn Cake, Drinks After Work, Let's Be Clear with Kayla, I'm the promoter, he's the DJ, burnt toast it's always something with jd and of course big night breaks if you are into sports cards uh and oh yeah guess what we're also part of the manscaped podcast family which is really cool and you can get 20 percent off right now with free shipping by using the code big night all one word use a discount code big night for 20 percent off plus free shipping and as you know manscaped are the global leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming and have forever changed the grooming game with their amazing products. They're here to help that with your ball region and even above your waist holes as well, especially with their Weed Whacker. Their Weed Whacker is absolutely incredible. It helps with snags and tugs and those delicate holes like your ear or your nose. No more gross hairs flying all over in the wind and making you look ridiculous now that everyone's going back out and getting back to normal. So use the discount code Big night for 20% off and free shipping. So, it's Monday morning. Celtics uh, lost game one of their first round series against the number two seed Brooklyn Nets in Brooklyn. They lost 104-93. And I'm going to recap the game for you. We'll do stud and dud of the game. And then we'll preview game two, which is on Tuesday night in Brooklyn again. That will be at 7.30 and it will be on TNT. Got it? Good. Great. Grand. Sorry, I had a burp there. I usually do that every episode, so glad we got that over and done with. All right, so Celtics lose 104 to 93, and the first thing that stuck out was the defense, and I think it for multiple reasons. And to be honest with you, the Celtics defense was great for 85, 90, maybe even 93 percent of the game. But the first thing, and I hated it, even though I'm going to talk, you know, I'm going to talk very highly of the Celtics defense because I mentioned in a couple podcasts ago, the Celtics offense finished in the top 10 for the fourth time in five years, but this is the lowest defensive rating the team has ever had under Brad Stevens. So to me, the issue really isn't the offense, it was the defense. And in this game, it was the complete opposite because, of course, that's how the Celtics work. Whenever you think they're doing one thing right, they're going to say, nah, screw that, let's flip the script. And their defense was better than their offense, but I hated it. Hated, hated, hated the fact that Tristan Thompson kept getting switched onto James Harden. 
Besides that, I thought the Celtics' rotations were good. Their communication was good. It looks like they were literally playing together on the same page, in the same book, in the same chapter. I mean, they weren't even in the same library during this, uh, I was going to say during the school year, during this uh, last regular season, whatever the case may be. But Tristan Thompson getting switched on to James Harden time after time. And I understand that why Steve Nash would want to do that. Bravo to Steve Nash there. But, like, the Celtics have to find a way to try and switch that up. Like, if that means Tristan Thompson has to start off on James Harden and then they set a screen there so they can run their offense, I I don't know what Brad and Jay, Larrigan, Jay Lags or however you pronounce his name, what they're going to do, but something has to be done so Tristan Thompson isn't defending James Harden. Now, I understand it happens every once in a while in a game, but I felt like it just happened every single possession, and it was ridiculous. The second thing that I loved about the defense is during the regular season, the Nets shot 45 out of 103 for 44% from the three-point line. That's a really good mark to shoot 44% hit 45 three-pointers after taking 103 against one of your division rivals. It's very impressive. And the Celtics in the first half held them to 1 of 13 shooting from 3. But you knew that was, wasn't going to last when you know the Nets' big 3 dropped 22 points to start the second half. Those are the only three guys that score. And it went in... They also had an 18-4 to run during that time. So I'm glad the three-point defense was there. The Celtics actually shot the three-point ball better than the Brooklyn Nets did. Will that happen in Game 2? I don't think so, but if it does, that's definitely a positive for the Celtics team because that shows that they're still defending. They're not allowing easy shots. They're not allowing a lot of open shots. And, hey, it's a make-or-miss league because the Celtics looked really good in the second quarter and then they only scored 40 points. I think the Celtics scored... What, 31 points and 32 points in the second quarter, and then they combined for 40 in the third and the fourth quarter. But the other thing that looked really good is when good defense leads to good offense. The Celtics started off that second quarter on 11-4 run and got their first double-digit lead of the game, and it was awesome. Why do you ask? Because they defended the ball well, they rebounded the ball well, and they pushed the pace. And that's what I love to see. And then the fourth and final thing that was great about the defense, obviously, you know, Marcus Smart was very good. Marcus Smart was very good on both ends of the floor, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But the Time Lord. The Time Lord, still not 100%, which sucks, because the Time Lord at 100% in this series could make a huge difference. Now, is it going to help them beat the Nets? Probably not. If Jalen Brown was around, hmm, maybe. Let's have a conversation. But the Time Lord caused havoc, and he was a big difference all night. So let's do Stud and Dud Playoff Edition. Hit the music. And now... It is time for your Celtic stud and dud playoff edition. All right, so your stud and dud of game one, round one, Celtics Brooklyn Nets. That is Robert Williams the third, aka the Time Lord, because he changed how this game was played when he was on the floor. Obviously, he didn't play a lot of minutes. His toes still bothering him. His ext- hyperextended toe, his parquet toe, his turf toe, whatever the hell you want to call it, it's still bothering him. But there were multiple times in the game where Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving were going to drive to the hoop. They saw him. They pulled up for a jumper instead of tacking the rim and they miss shots and that is needed because you do not want to get Kyrie Irving easy looks around the rim he's one of the best finishers in the league you don't want Kevin Durant to see an easy hoop go in and get going so that was a really really good job from Robert Williams to distract to annoy 
I, I don't want to say scare, but it was a great job for Robert Williams to really kind of change how the game was played. Because to be honest with you, when the Celtics were up 13 to four, Kevin Durant, I think got back to back dunks on, you know, like a, a long rebound. And I think another one was a turnover. It, it could have been something else. I think one of them was actually just poor rotation by the Celtics. You don't want Kevin Durant to get easy dunks and time Lord wasn't in during that time, but if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and James Harden are afraid to attack the Time Lord, that is good news for the Boston Celtics. Because let's be honest, I can't remember the last time the Celtics in a playoff series had someone where people weren't afraid to attack the paint. People weren't afraid to attack Al Horford. People weren't afraid to attack Aaron Baines or Daniel Tice. But you could notice that Kevin Durant did not want to go after the Time Lord. I think probably the last time people were afraid to go up against the Celtics in the paint was probably when Kevin Garnett and Perk was here. Maybe. But the Time Lord had 11 points, 9 rebounds, and a franchise record 9 blocks in a playoff game. This dude was 1 rebound and 1 block away from a triple-double with Parketo off the bench. And then his quote after the game was tremendous. I am loving the Time Lord more and more every single day. Jump on the bandwagon, folks, because his quote afterwards, when someone asked, you know, what it meant to have a franchise record nine blocks in a game, and he goes, what was his exact quote? He basically said, we lost, so what I did means absolute shit. And I love that. I'm, I'm paraphrasing there, but he did mention that it meant shit because they lost, and I love that attitude. The dud is Kemba Walker because, listen, folks, he didn't help out Jason Tatum, and I understand Evan Fournier didn't help out Jason Tatum either, but Kemba Walker is the number three option on this team if the team's fully healthy. It would probably go Tatum, Brown, Kemba, Evan Fournier, and then a shit show after that, but for Kemba Walker to go 5 of 16 from the field, and two of those shots that he made were garbage time when the Nets didn't care about their defense. And speaking about the Nets defense, it's so bad. The Nets defense is so, so, so bad. I mean, even when they were trying, because there was one point in the game where you could actually feel the Nets go, holy shit, we actually have to try here. And it still sucked. I mean, it's so bad. And the fact that Kemba couldn't get going, I mean, the way I look at it, Kemba was 3 of 14 in this game because I don't count those two garbage uh, hoops at the end of the game when they were down double digits with like two minutes to go. I don't count those. I mean, they count, but I don't count them. He was, Kemba was way too aggressive on defense, including one dumb foul reaching in on Blake Griffin. Like, why are we doing that? Why would you say to yourself, I can try and steal the ball with Blake Griffin when I already have two fouls and it's halfway through the second quarter and then I pick up my third because of it? That is just stupidity. And that's so annoying. And Kemba has to be better than that. And Kemba's been pretty damn good over the last three or four weeks. And he's gotten all the rest that he's needed this season. His knee, himself, all of it. And I understand he probably needs to get into a rhythm a little bit. Blah, 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 blah. But absolutely ridiculous that he can't help out Jason Tatum. Seriously. He has to be the number two, and he didn't prove it. I mean, Marcus Smart shot 6 of 13. Marcus Smart shot better than probably Jason Tatum did. You could honestly say that Marcus Smart was the best, I don't want to say scoring option, but the best shooting option for the Celtics. Because, you know, Tatum got to the hoop, you know, he finished with over 20 points, but he was 6 of 20 from the field. And I don't know. Marcus Smart was like, it, it kind of reminded me of the bubble. Like Marcus Smart in the bubble. Like maybe Marcus Smart just only cares about the playoffs now, which 
which sucks. And I don't know, but like Marcus Smart was really, really good on Saturday night. He was great. Like I feel uncomfortable talking about it, but Time Lord is your stud. Kemba Walker is your dud. And what else do we need to talk about about this game before we talk about what the Celtics need to do for game two? Oh, yeah, the offense. They started off very strong. I mean, Jason Tatum made the first three shots. They're up 13-4 to at one point. But after that, Tatum went 3-15. of Tatum literally made his first three shots, and then for the rest of the game, he was 3-15. of Evan Fournier went 3-10. of And if Jason Tatum is only going to make six shots, Evan Fournier is only going to make three shots, Kemba Walker's only going to make five shots, but Marcus Smart's making six, you're not going to beat this team. Because even though the Nets' defense sucks, their offense is ridiculous. They can score from all over the place, whether it's Joe Harris or Landry Shaman. I, I don't think Landry Shaman hit a shot during in that game at all, and we'll talk about that in a second. But Kevin, Har- uh, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Joe Harris, these guys can hit shots whenever the hell they want. Like, sure, they didn't go in in game one. If you think the Nets are going to play that poorly shooting the ball again, <laughs> no way in hell. I don't care how good the Celtics defense will be. I'm, I'm just being honest. I think the Celtics defense was fantastic, and they caused havoc, and that's all that I wanted to do. Make them feel uncomfortable. Make them try. Make them, I don't want this to be a cakewalk series, but you got to score the basketball. And it really is a make-or-miss league. You look at the first quarter, Celtics score 21, the Nets 16. Second quarter, Celtics 32, the Nets 31. So you're like, okay, we're we're competing with them. And then the last two quarters, Celtics go 20-20. Last two quarters for the Nets, 31-26. you got to keep up with them. They kept up with them. They outscored them for the first two quarters in the first half. And the Celtics usually suck in the first half. It makes zero sense to me. Here's the other cool thing that I thought was great but makes zero sense to me. The bench was really good offensively, which is something I talked about in episode 126, how the bench has to outplay the Nets bench. And the Celtics bench did that. The Celtics bench was really good. You look at it. Jabari Parker, he came in. He played 22 minutes. I don't think he's played 22 minutes all year. I mean, obviously he has. I'm just trying to be funny. He he shot 50% from the field. He had nine points. Aaron Neesmith. Sure, he only made one shot, and it was a three-pointer, and he was able to get to the free-throw line. I don't like him shooting one of five, but fine, whatever. He scored five points, and the Time Lord scored 11. They And then you look at the Nets bench. Jeff Green, only three. Claxton, two. Bruce Brown, two. Landry Shamit only took one shot. Now, I know he was hurt, and he was a little bit iffy before the game, but like they didn't play a lot of the people. They didn't play Tyler Johnson. They didn't play James. They didn't play DeAndre Jordan. Nothing absolutely crazy the Celtics outplayed the Celtics played good defense and their bench outplayed the Nets and they still couldn't win the game this series is going to be easy I just don't want to like I mentioned in episode 126 just don't get swept just don't get swept but you know Neesmith brought his energy out Jabari can score the ball but he can't defend he would be perfect on this Nets team he really would so the question is do you bring in Romeo Langford to defend but you need offense to compete with the Nets and Romeo Langford doesn't give you any offense because his shot sucks. And sure, he can attack the basket, kind of like Aaron Neesmith and stuff. But, like, you can't have... Aaron Neesmith has proved himself that he can score in the NBA. Consistently, he's not there yet. But, you know, patience is a virtue. You can't have Romeo and Aaron Neesmith out there together. Energy-wise, yes. But scoring the basketball-wise, hell no. Not against the Nets. You're not going to be able to keep up with them. And I thought Brad did a great job with the rotations. Uh, probably one of his best coaching games in a while. But speaking of the bench, can you imagine 
being Danny Ainge and looking at Grant Williams and saying he's going to be better than Brandon Clark and Nicholas Claxton. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that you can sleep okay? I mean, Nicholas Claxton came off that bench for the Nets team, He and he literally only played 11 minutes, and he had six points, five rebounds. Like, can you imagine if we could get that production from number 12? Probably not. But, you know, at the end of the game, you know, the Celtics were able to cut it down to three with six minutes to go, and then the Celtics just got a little lazadaisical with the basketball, and they lost and let the Nets go on a 7-0 run, and that was that was kind of it, which was frustrating for sure. But the Celtics did take, take care of the basketball, for sure. You can't tell me that they didn't. I think... They only had 12 turnovers, maybe 11 turnovers, so a good job there for sure. And that's going to be very important going into Game 2 on Tuesday night at 7.30 in Brooklyn. you got to take care of the basketball. I mean, the Nets did. I think they only had like 11 or 10 turnovers. So, But for Game 2, what do the Celtics need to do? Again, the defense has to be there, just not from the Time Lord. Everyone has to be there. Contest shots. Fly at every single one. Try and block some shots. Stand in front of them. Marcus Smart did a great job trying to get an offensive foul against Kevin Durant. Make, be aggressive, but don't be stupid. And, for, and speaking of stupid, if I see Tristan Thompson guarding James Harden for more than like six possessions, I'm going to lose my mind. I, I think that's the over-under for me in losing my mind six. And it better not be in the first quarter because I'd like to watch the rest of the game. But the Celtics defense, they got to keep rotating well, keep communicating, and box out. No second-chance points. The Celtics did have more second-chance points, but the Nets team is really good catching a rebound, kicking it out to an open three-point shooter, and hitting it. The Celtics cannot get out-rebounded in Game 2 like they did in Game 1. DeAndre Jordan... DeAndre Jordan, the center from the Clippers, who's now in the Nets. Everyone knows him. One of the better rebounds, better rebounders in NBA history. I'm not saying the best. I'm not saying top 10. He's just a very good rebounder across the NBA. He didn't even play, and the Celtics lost the rebounding battle by 10. That can't be a thing. Like, everyone has to step up. Tatum, Fournier, Kemba, Marcus, Aaron Neesmith, Pritchard. You name it, everyone's got to do it. The other thing that Celtics have to do is keep playing fast. The Celtics had a lot of fast break points in this game. The Nets did not. The ball movement was okay. It wasn't great. It can definitely improve for sure. But keep the pace going. Run, run, run. Brad talks about it all the time. Run, run, run. The bench. The bench scoring also has to keep going as well, especially Peyton Pritchard. I feel like he's hit his rookie wall. I feel like for the last two weeks or so, Peyton Pritchard has not shot the ball very well. Basically, ever since that Spurs game where he was a big part of that comeback, he just hasn't shot the ball very well. And he's got to step up. And he listen, he's been great this year. You, you can't be too upset with the kid. 26 pick. No one really wanted him. And he came in and just went lights out. And he was great. Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum needs to go to the free throw line at least 10 times. Now, he went 9 of 11, which was great, but I kind of want more to be honest with you. Very minimum has to be 10 free throws. If DeAndre Jordan does not play again in Game 2, and if he sees Blake Griffin, Jeff Green, Claxton, who's ever out there guarding him, he has to attack the rim. Put his head down and just go. Don't complain afterwards. Just go and attack the rim. He got a lot of switches that he wanted. I feel like Brad really focused on the Celtics getting the switches that they want. And Jason did take advantage of it early in the game, but then he kind of got passive. And sure, he got Marcus Smart a couple open shots. Kemba, you know, had some shots, but they weren't falling. Same thing with Evan Fournier, but he's got to take advantage of those switches. If you see Blake Griffin on you, you should be 
Mike Jones smiling from ear to ear. Like, if you're Jason Tatum, it has to happen. And then, just a quick little rant here. Kevin Durant, one of the best players to ever play this game. One of the best scorers of all time. One of the most interesting figures ever. You know, he loves, you know, his little secret Twitter accounts. He loves going from team to team, trying to win championships. And that's the way the NBA is now. It sucks, but whatever. But him getting called for that flagrant foul when his arms got tied up with Jason Tatum. And then he flew out for a shot with Jason Tatum. Didn't let him land in his airspace, which is a rule around the league for another flagrant foul, and then lands on his ankle. I don't know, man. He's kind of, he's like, I like him, but like, I don't. It's so weird. Like, I could watch Kevin Durant play basketball all day. For him to play this well after that Achilles injury at his age and his height and the fact that he weighs literally three pounds soaking wet, I don't know. I just felt like he was a bitch in that last game. I I really and truly do, but whatever. It is what it is. But listen, the Nets are very good. And if you can steal game two in Brooklyn, that's all you got to do. If you can steal that, the Garden announced full capacity for game four and even more capacity for game three. Not uh, like, what was it? The the play-in game, I think there were like, what, maybe like five, 6,000 people in there. Maybe we get 10,000 people in for game three. And then game four, if it's, you know, two to one, and you're at a full capacity at TD Garden, I'm in for it. But the Nets are going to score in bunches. And you got to take those punches from the scoring bunches. I don't know why I just said that, but here it is. The Nets are going to score in bunches, and you have to take those punches when the Nets score in bunches. And you cannot freak out in any way, shape, or form. You have, like, this is what the playoffs are all about. Get punched. Punch back and see which team's better and see which team's stronger. And it, the, for a good chunk of the game the other day, the Celtics were the better team. But can they play a full 48 minutes of basketball? And let's hope they can do that. So what are we looking for in game two? Just a quick recap. The defense has to be there, especially from the Time Lord, but even more importantly, everyone else. Keep playing fast. Let the bench keep scoring. Jason Tatum needs to attack every single switch that he has. And be ready for the Nets to score in bunches. All right? That's it for episode 127 of the Banner Banter Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Episode 128 will be out Wednesday morning, the morning after game two. Looking forward to talking to everyone there. Enjoy the game on Tuesday night. We'll talk soon. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.